Welcome to the Virgin Active Minds podcast by Virgin Active, where we dive deep into conversations with the best and the brightest minds in the health and well-being world. If you've got questions about health, exercise, or any dimension of well-being, we've got the answers one expert at a time. I'm Mark Cito, your host, because I love all things well-being. From exercise, work, relationships, and going deep inside our minds, I'm here to explore it all with you. This is what they came for. Plant-based health. Is it a growing trend or a much more common lifestyle change that many more people are opting into? Whether it's adding more veggies to your diet, taking on Meatless Monday, or jumping headfirst into a plant-based lifestyle, this episode has it all. My guest is Bianca Sheedy, a naturopath from Bondi Health and Wellness, with a special interest in plant-based medicine, plant-based nutrition, anxiety, hormonal imbalances, women's health, and gut health. She's a yoga teacher, meditation teacher, Reiki practitioner, and has years of experience delivering health and wellness talks in corporate settings for complete corporate wellness. This chat is for everyone. So join us as we dive a little deeper into the myths, the risks, challenges, and benefits of plant-based health and nutrition. Enjoy. Bianca Sheedy, welcome to Virgin Active Minds podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And yourself? I'm not too bad. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I am very excited to get into this topic of uh, plant-based health. Obviously, it's a growing area. I think we can all, we've all noticed at the supermarkets how much plant-based nutrition has grown. You know, there's their own fridges and sections at Woolworths. So I guess that's what we are going to talk about today. You know, why is that growth happening and what are the benefits and what are the risks? So before we dive into all of that, though, um, let's, if you could give us a bit of a synopsis on who you are and what you do and uh, what's brought you to this point in your life. So my name's Bianca Sheedy. I am a degree qualified naturopath and in clinical practice, I have a special interest in plant-based nutrition and plant-based medicine, as well as women's health, anxiety and gut health. And I practice at Bondi Health and Wellness. And also too, I'm a Reiki practitioner and I teach yoga and meditation and deliver educational wellness talks in corporate settings. So I pretty much live and breathe this, you know, natural health. And it's really interesting too, because when I was a little girl, I never, you know, visualized that I was going to be a naturopath. I was actually, you know, immersed in the performing arts industry and I, you know, was dancing competitively throughout my childhood and teenage years and went to acting school for three years in my early 20s and did all of that. And then I kind of had that, you know, early midlife crisis in my early 20s where I just realized the performing arts industry wasn't for me. And I thought, you know, what else could I do in my life? And during that time period, I remembered my early childhood and I was actually quite sick in my early childhood with asthma. And I, you know, remember being in hospitals, in and out of hospitals and, you know, specialist doctors told my mother that 
I would have to be on steroids for the rest of my life and that I wouldn't be able to do the normal physical activities like other kids. Um, And luckily, my mum, even though she's a nurse and she's very much in the medical industry, she didn't accept that for an answer. So she took me to a naturopath. And after two weeks of taking herbal medicine, I was a completely different child. So I was running around, I was happy, I had colour back in my face, I was no longer had those blue lips. Um, and then I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll be a naturopath because I want to be able to to give people that experience that I received in my early life because it, you know, it completely reshaped the rest of my life from that experience. So I guess that was a long-winded answer, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's why I am. Yeah. And look, I mean, that's a a really clear indication of why you've ended up where you are. Um, I mean, that's such a personal story and a personal history with naturopathy. Um, So, you know, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to make that your passion and career. Before we dive in, a question we like to ask all of our guests at the start, what gets you out of bed in the morning? (sighs) So... What gets me out of bed in the morning is that inner determination and drive to be able to show up and serve others so that they can feel empowered in their health. Well, that's a great way to wake up every morning and the perfect industry you've chosen. So look, you know, the title of this episode is plant-based health. Of course, we're going to talk about plant-based nutrition as well. But before we talk about health or nutrition, what is plant-based? right? Like we we see this as a bit of a buzzword, but it's probably good to start there just for all of those out there, whether you're, whether you are plant-based, a little bit plant-based or, you know, absolutely consider yourself a carnivore. How, what does plant-based mean? So plant-based means nutrition-wise that you are excluding or limiting any animal products from your diet. Right. And I guess for those especially right now at the start of this chat, uh, for those who are eating meat, and of course, you know, that is the majority of us, what are we going to get from this discussion around plant-based? I mean, is this still going to be relevant for us? So even if you're a meat eater and you're listening in, that's completely okay. You will be able to benefit from listening to this talk because I'm going to dive into the benefits of plants in general. And even as a meat eater, you're still eating plants. So vegetables, fruits, your nuts, seeds, your legumes, your whole grains. So all of those contain, um, you know, beneficial nutrients that are going to help you thrive in your health and reduce your risk of chronic disease. Cool. All right. Now, I said it a bit at the start, you know, we've all noticed in the supermarkets, you know, the plant-based section is growing, right? It's getting it's getting bigger. Obviously, there must be demand for that, for that to be happening amongst especially the big chains. Um, why do you think this is happening? Why is there this growth in plant-based? So oh, there's so many different components. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more research occurring at the moment regarding plant-based diets and reducing the risk of chronic disease. Um, which has been more prominently shown in the media. But also, too, I think people are beginning to wake up and rise up about protecting the sustainability of our environment. So, you know, agriculture, farming, 
undoubtedly creates you know long-term implications for the planet particularly in relation to the amount of water usage that's required for agriculture farming purposes um you know the waste of farming um but also to the deforestation of our beautiful rainforests which are our you know our lungs for this earth so that we're able to breathe and so I think people are just becoming more conscious and mindful of the amount of animal consumption that they are actually having and they're wanting to opt for more plant-based options so that they're you know having a positive impact on this environment for the next and upcoming generations. And do you find that in the people that you're dealing with is that kind of that environmental impact the uh, awareness of farming practices i mean is that do you think that would be one of the main reasons it's one of the reasons there's multiple reasons so you know some people firstly they are doing it for the animals because they love and care for animals um you know some are from you know religious perspectives or even yogic principles of ahimsa so practicing that non-violence or harm to to all beings um or, you know, for others, it's for purely for health reasons because they're wanting to lower their cholesterol levels or lower their insulin levels because they're on that cusp of um, having to take medication for preventing diabetes and, you know, hypercholesterol. So there's so many different reasons and it's really personal. I think that's where it comes down to. So it's hard to speak for what the majority is because I feel like from person to person, the priorities are slightly different. Yeah, of course. And do you think there is there major differences between being predominantly plant-based and fully plant-based? Yeah. So if you are strictly plant-based, you are completely excluding the consumption of any animal products. So, you know, that includes, you know, all of your um, red meat, your white meat, your seafood, dairy, as well as eggs and honey and even, you know, lollies because sometimes there's crushed up beetles in the colouring of lollies, so they're not even vegetarian. Um, So that's when you're fully plant-based and strictly plant-based, it's that full exclusion of any animal products. But then there's more the the flexitarians, the predominantly plant-based where a person might, you know, most of the time eat a plant-based diet but occasionally um, or from time to time they might have a small amount of animal products and that's just you know down to personal reasons Um, they might be having certain cravings or they might not be open to supplementing long term um, or they might be wanting to have less impact on the environment but they might not be wanting to be plant-based necessarily for you know animal rights reasons. Yeah okay so of course there's a differing there's a varied degree of plant-based options that you could be you could be on I guess I I mean I think about it you know it's kind of like um you know having one day a week that's vegetarian you know you and your household one day a week we're gonna you know only eat vegetarian for example meatless Mondays yeah meat oh meatless Mondays is that a thing yeah oh right okay whole campaign Oh, okay. To reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. Right. Okay. Well, there's a nice takeaway for those listeners. Maybe we could try a meatless Mondays. It's a call to action. (laughs) While we're talking about terms and we just spoke about um, predominantly plant-based, fully plant-based, we've also got 
the terms plant-based, vegetarian, and vegan. What are the differences between these terms? Sure. So vegetarian, it still includes eggs um, and dairy, but vegetarians are excluding any meat, poultry, fish, and seafood. Whereas vegan, it's going a step deeper than plant-based. So not only is a vegan completely excluding the consumption of animal products, but they may also decide to exclude the use of, you know, any animal products or any forms of animal cruelty in their beauty products, their cleaning products. They may choose to, you know, not wear any clothing that's derived from animal, for example, leather or wool. Um, They might even, you know, decide in terms of the medicine that they take and consume in their body if it's had any harms or, you know, studies performed on the animals, they might choose to decline medicine, whether it be natural or pharmaceutical. Um, And they also might decide to avoid supporting the entertainment industry that includes animals. So for example, circuses or horse racing or greyhound racing. But between vegans too, there are that there's fully strictly vegans that are hardcore. And then there are others that are a little bit more lenient. So, you know, full disclosure, I'm vegan. I have been for over six years, but if I was in a critical position in hospital, I'm not going to decline pharmaceutical medicine, which could save my life. So everyone's a little bit different. Sure. And do you find with veganism as well that there that it is coming from a more animal rights space, uh, an environmental space, or as you said previously, it is a mix of these things and it different differs for different people? Yeah, I think it's still that bit of a mix, um, but 100% animal rights and environmental concerns are definitely a driving factor when it comes to the choice for vegans. And what do you think are the main things we'd need to can be aware of with each of, well, especially with, you know, vegetarian or veganism? Mm-hmm. So in terms of, you know, um, vegetarians are a little bit easier to make sure you're getting in all your nutrients. Um, you know, main concerns for both would definitely be, you know, having that potential implication for iron deficiency because you're, ha- you're not having that heme form of iron from animals which are a little bit more easily absorbed in the body Um, whereas you know your plant-based sources of iron are non-heme iron sources so they're not as well absorbed in the body but if you do a little hack and you include having a vitamin c nutrient alongside your non-heme iron source so for example say you're eating some spinach squeeze some lemon juice on top that's going to help with the absorption of iron. So I guess, you know, with both, it's understanding what nutrients um, are really needed to have that focus on in the diet and making sure you're hitting those key nutrients on a daily basis so that you can sustain your health. And is plant-based health, so if we add the word health at the end, I mean, and you just kind of, you touched on it a little bit in regards to being a vegan and therefore you might not choose certain even beauty products or clothing products, medical products. Is plant-based health different to plant-based nutrition? Are there other aspects of plant-based health that go even further than plant than purely plant-based nutrition? So, I mean, plant-based nutrition is definitely a huge component of plant-based health, I would say, um, because, you know, 
in terms of all the research that's emerging, which I'm so excited about because I'm a huge nerd and I just get lost in the journal articles for hours on end. So that always makes me excited. But with the emerging studies, there's, you know, um, different results that are showing that by eating a whole food, plant-based diet so that's your diet that's including lots of you know vegetables fruits nuts seeds legumes whole grains and avoiding your processed junk foods which I'm sure we'll talk about later in this um, podcast together but by you know having eating that way you are helping to reduce your risk of chronic disease so diabetes heart disease um, you know certain cancers which sometimes you know, can be a little bit more prominent in an omnivorous diet, especially if it's really high in red meat consumption. So from a nutrition perspective, plant-based nutrition is absolutely an important component of plant-based health. Um, In terms of, you know, when it comes to beauty products, cleaning products, if you look on the market at the moment, I mean, because there is to that huge factor of plant-based being, you know, really hip and trending at the moment, um, a lot of your your eco-friendly cleaning products will usually have that, you know, vegan tick or um, cruelty-free tick. Um, so, and if we're looking at in terms of health, when you're having those environmental friendly, natural based products, of course, it's going to be beneficial for your health because you're avoiding toxins, which can be disruptive to your hormones and endocrine system. Um, and when it comes to beauty products, you know, yes and no, because if we're talking about it being completely vegan, a lot of beauty products contain, for example, Manuka honey. And Manuka honey is beneficial for health. Um, because it's, you know, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. However, that just comes down to a choice with veganism. And when it comes to your practice as a naturopath, how do you incorporate, I guess, the different aspects of plant-based health? So when it comes to kind of marrying plant-based health with naturopathy, my main concern for a patient is to make sure that they're in an optimal state of health. So, you know, if they have, for example, borderline insulin resistance, if they have hypertension, if they have metabolic disease and they're, um, you know, obese and they're at that risk of developing chronic disease or cancer or so forth, I will make that suggestion of, you know, have you considered trying a plant-based diet, whether it's for a short-term or predominantly plant-based or if you're wanting to go all the way, just so that we can decrease those levels so that you're in an optimal state of health. Um, So in terms of marrying naturopathy with plant-based health, that's where my focus is. But then on the other spectrum and the other side of things, if I, you know, and I do have a lot of vegans and vegetarians showing up at my door and they're, at risk of deficiency because they're not eating that whole food plant-based diet. So they're showing me their, you know, diet diaries and it's full of processed junk foods, quick, easy, convenient vegan or vegetarian meals that aren't, aren't conducive to their health and they're not going to be able to getting the nutrients that they need to sustain their, their health long-term. So that's where I marry naturopathy with plant-based health by making sure that you know, all facets of their health being nutrition, lifestyle, 
managing stress, all of these things are coming into balance so that that patient can feel optimal and great in their health. Mm. And I've got a stat here that says 70% of Australians will seek out alternative medicine annually, which is huge, right? That's a, that's a, obviously the vast majority of the population are happy, you know, to seek out alternative medicine, naturopathy being one of those. Why do you think Australians are so open and so good at looking at the alternatives? I mean, just like what your mum did for your own health when you were young, like, and I know my mum also took my brother to a naturopath uh, and this was the early 90s, you know, so there's always been that kind of openness. Um, Why do you think that is? So, you know, the complementary and alternative medicine therapies are definitely becoming more and more immersed in the Australian medical system. I think Australians are feeling more comfortable to to try that realm of natural therapies because there's so many research and studies now that support natural medicine. Um, But deeper than that, I think Australians are starting to get ready to do the work. So instead of just having showing up and getting a pill to fix their presenting symptoms at the time, they're actually wanting to know, you know, why am I feeling this way? What is the actual cause that is making me experience this sign or symptom? And they're wanting to show up, do the work, make the diet and lifestyle modifications and get the support of natural medicine, whether it be you know, herbal medicine or nutraceutical supplementation so that they can restore their health but also make those long-term changes so that they are able to live their life nice and long without experiencing the detriments of poor health. Mm. So I guess that kind of makes me think we're a bit better or becoming better at the preventative stuff. Yeah. And that's what naturopathy is, you know. Naturopathy is all about preventative medicine and making sure that that person doesn't get to that point where they're at risk of having a heart attack. Mm. Now, you just mentioned before as well that you have vegetarians and vegans coming to you, uh, potentially needing some help and guidance on their nutrition in particular. What do you think are some of the telltale signs? Now, regardless of whether you're plant-based or not, so regardless of the diet, what do you think are some of the telltale signs to say, hey, I'm not sure I'm getting everything that I need from my diet? Oh, my goodness. There's so (laughs) many things. I need to start, you know, spilling them out of my mouth um, for days. So waking up in the morning and feeling like you can't get out of bed because you're feeling exhausted, feeling like really slow in the morning, it's difficult to concentrate straight away, Um, lack of focus in your work and activities, Um, you know, feelings of anxiety or depression, Um, you know, in terms of signs. So if you're pale in your skin, if you find that you're starting to get pins and needles, if you feel faint, dizzy, um, if you your hair is starting to fall out, um, if your nails are starting to become brittle, if you're starting to have, you know, skin breakouts, so acne or eczema or dermatitis, if you're starting to get a dry scalp, the list goes on and on and on. So pretty much if 
there's any sign or symptom that isn't normal for you, which is not making you feel like you're in an optimal state of health, that is your body communicating to you that something is wrong. And if you're listening to this podcast, please, please, please do not ignore your body. Do not put it off. Go and seek help um, because, you know, that's where that prevention comes in to play. Because, for example, if it is an iron deficiency, um, if you're borderline iron deficient, rather than being that real, um, you know, low, low, low iron ferritin levels, it's a lot easier to correct on that borderline versus that real deficient level of iron. So get on top of it straight away. Don't ignore the signs and symptoms. Right. And with iron deficiency in particular, you mentioned that that is, I guess, a risk of being plant-based. Are there any specific telltale signs for iron deficiency? Um, So extreme fatigue, um, dizziness or feeling faint, um, breathlessness. So, for example, you might be really super fit, but going up a a staircase at the end of it, you might feel really out of breath, Um, a racing heart. Um, and, you know, lack of focus, sometimes low energy, low mood comes with that as well. So feelings of depression. Um, so they're the main, main symptoms of iron deficiency. And I guess, you know, with anybody, whether you are vegetarian, vegan, or an omnivore, There are certain people at risk, and usually it's women who are menstruating. So if you are a woman and you have heavy periods um, or you have that, you know, that typical estrogen dominance, painful heavy periods, if you have an underlying condition such as endometriosis or um, fibroids or adenomyosis, then naturally you are already at that risk of having an iron deficiency. So that's where it's really important to to see someone who specializes in that area, so whether it's a naturopath or a nutritionist, to make sure that you are getting the supplementation dose that is specific to you and that you're getting the, the most out of your nutrients from that non-heme iron source in your, in your diet. Okay. And are there any other risks going plant-based? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So B12 deficiency is one of the other risks. So... There are some vegan sources of B12, you know, spirulina, um, nutritional yeast. However, you're going to have to be eating an abundance of it every single day. And I don't think anyone's going to be able to do it. If you are someone that's able to do it, well done. But I know for me personally, uh, that's not achievable. So if you are vegan, vegeta- you know, ve- vegan or plant-based, it's so integral that every six months you are checking your blood levels for your B12, your iron um, as well, and other, you know, other nutrients. But you cannot allow yourself to fall into that category of being B12 deficient because low levels of B12 deficiency can cause irreversible neurological damage. And so it's irreversible, the damage is done. And the scary thing about B12 deficiency is it slowly occurs over time. So once it's actually hit that real low point, it's often a little bit too late. So supplementing B12 is usually, um, you know, non-negotiable for me in clinical practice because I don't want to put anyone at risk of having a B12 deficiency. 
And usually the best form of B12 supplementation is a sublingual form. So usually a spray or drops, which absorb through your cheeks or underneath the tongue. And that's where the research, um, you know, says it's the best form of, of supplementation. Okay. And are there any, um, I mean, do we know if there's been any research done into any, I guess, diseases or other types of conditions that can come from being plant-based? Not really, because it, it's everything, it comes down to the individual. Um, I will say, you know, if, for example, you are someone who is an omnivore and you are going plant-based, if you have an underlying condition called SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, basically the, the bacteria in the small intestine thrives on carbohydrates as a main source of fuel so sometimes people will have that jump of being an omnivore not having a lot of vegetables in their diet and all of a sudden they're they're vegan they're eating an abundance of carbohydrates which are feeding their small intestinal bacteria which is already on in an overgrowth state and they might have really bad gastrointestinal symptoms but once that's addressed and um, you know treated then they can continue on with the plant-based diet so it comes down to individual circumstances okay and what about the risks of eating meat now we've obviously had a look at some of the risks of plant-based what are the risks with eating meat so i guess the main risks are associated with red meat so First of all, I want to say, you know, animal products contain nutrients that are beneficial for the body. But the issue in especially Western society is an overconsumption of red meat. And when you're having high amounts of red meat, you are putting strain on your cardiovascular system, which can lead to, you know, hypertension, um, cardiovascular disease, and potentially a heart attack. So, you know, the Heart Foundation is also, the sorry, the, yeah, the Heart Foundation are, you know, suggesting that you really reduce your red meat consumption. Um, you know, the Harvard School of Research, um, as well as the Cancer Foundation too, are even going a step further to say, please eliminate all processed meats. So that's your, you know, ham, cabanossi, Devon, um, you know, all those things. The really processed red meats can really have a bad effect on your cardiovascular system because of the saturated and trans fats. So if you are a meat eater, just be aware of your intake of red meat and see if you can cut it down to maybe a couple of times a week and then, you know, modify it by having more of your lean white meats and then also mix it up and have some beans and legumes and don't be afraid to try some plant-based proteins um, because that'll be beneficial for your gut bacteria so your microbiome can thrive. Mm. And are there any gender or cultural um, cultural based concerns when it's when becoming plant based? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, well, I guess for me, I grew up in a Western typical diet of you know three veg, one meat on the plate. Um, and for my family, they're pretty good, but 
you know, occasionally you go to barbecues and like, oh, don't you just want, aren't you just craving a big juicy steak or a sausage in the roll? Um, so I guess, you know, those remarks, but definitely in, you know, certain cultures, particularly in Asian cultures where meat is, a, you know, central part of the dish and it's, you know, often celebrated and customary. Um, sometimes I know from some clients, they might experience difficulties trying to communicate with their family that why they're not eating meat um, because of different beliefs. But also too, on the, on the other side of things, um, you know, there's some religions like Hinduism and Buddhism where it's, you know, predominantly plant-based. So it's a little bit easier, easier in those cultures. Is there any gender can, well, um, things that we need to be aware of? Well, I guess sometimes there can be that stigma that amongst men that if you are not eating meat, you're losing your masculinity, um, which is really, you know, interesting. And because when you look at a lot of the athletes, the plant-based athletes out there, um, like, for example, you know, MMA fighter James Wilkes, who he actually is a combat expert and he goes into, you know, US Navy SEALs and teaches, um, you know, the Navy SEALs how to actually fight. And, you know, other male athletes like the Ironman athlete Rich Roll, the NBA basketball star Kiri Irving, you know, if you look at their accomplishments and you look at them in their athleticism and, you know, their masculine traits, I wouldn't say they're being demasculinated because they're not eating meat. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a very, I think you've really hit the nail on the head in regards to the masculinity side of things. I'm also plant, well, I'm vegetarian and I've been vegetarian since 2013. And I'm also from a culturally diverse family as well. So on my dad's side of my family, um, you know, all, all very supportive. But I remember my grandfather, I remember my grandfather saying, why are you not eating meat? Have you become a cow or something? And, you know, just laughed about it and joked about it. But I could see that, you know, there was a bit of a, uh, like, why? Like, why would you even consider that, you know? And um, But it, it's a completely different generation. And, it, and um, you know, coming from an Asian culture, of course, uh, meat is a central part of each, you know, most dishes. Um, so, yeah, I, I can definitely appreciate that cultural side of things um, and I can understand the challenges on um you know those cultural dishes that are so integral to the culture um but meat being such a big part of them um i you know I, uh, it it hasn't been i feel pretty lucky you know uh, you know i wasn't um ostracized or anything like that of course there was jokes made and even to this day you know it's still a bit of a funny thing but um luckily there's also a lot of vegetarian dishes in Asian culture as well. Um, it's maybe, you know, my choices are usually a little less, but there's usually still something. And I think also there's, you know, there's become uh, a greater awareness within um, 
well, I can speak for here in Sydney, um, even within the Asian community, um, going to an Asian restaurant, there are now more, much more vegetarian and vegan options. Um, you know, there is that growing awareness within the culture as well, which I think is a great thing. The gender side of things, definitely, I 100% feel that. And it's probably something that I've not even really come to grips with in regards to the masculine, the masculinity of eating meat. Uh, and I can definitely feel that, you know, from my mum's side of the, my family, which is, you know, I guess, an Anglo-Saxon based culture, you know, that there's a bit of a, a little bit of a, you know, again, in a joking, fun kind of way, but there is a little bit of a thing, you know. I've even had it said to me, you know, I've just mowed the lawns, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of grass out the front if you want, if you're hungry, you know? So I like, I, I get it. It's, it's out there. It's something to be aware of. And I, I just hope that, and again, you know, I don't take any of that to heart and I know it's with love, you know, but I can understand from, you know, the male perspective that there may be some concerns about, you know, having meat-free Mondays um, or, you know, even going further than that and having more of a plant-based diet. So I think it's something to be aware of for those or for anyone out there thinking about it um, and wanting to try it. Um, is yeah, and that kind of, it, it ends up being one of those, it highlights one of those issues within our society still, which is that pressure to be anything, pressure to be more feminine or more masculine rather than just accepting a person for whoever they are and not boxing people into certain categories. For sure, for sure. But I think now, you know, it is, when I say there's no easy way around it, I, I would say it is probably easier now because there is one, there's just more awareness, you know, and I think anyone going to any of the major supermarkets is going to see that, okay, this is, this is here to stay. It's not a fad, you know, it's not a crash diet, you know, these freezers and fridges with all of the vegetarian and vegan based meals aren't going to go away. No. I mean, you know, fads usually last, you know, six months, a year, maybe two years max. And this has been around for years now. So I think people maybe, you know, dab into veganism just because everyone's kind of doing it, but then they actually, discover that they love how they're feeling they love the the you know the changes that they've made in their nutrition and their lifestyle and they end up continuing that path for sure and I think that's even just something to reiterate right now it's like it's not everything and I think I've even got that question in there it's you know do we have to be a hundred percent to get any benefit from this and it's that's absolutely not the case you know it's kind of even if it's a tiny change, like on a Monday, you might choose the the plant-based protein shake instead of the whey-based protein shake. And that one little change, you know, might make the world of difference and it might not, but, you know, I guess it's, there's still these little ways of being able to, um, you know, potentially make a change and potentially get some benefit from it, whether it's, you know, even a, um, uh, I guess your state of mind on, you know, doing a little bit for the environment, you know, maybe it's as simple as that. And would you agree with that? You know, like it's, it doesn't, I, I can understand how some people feel like, oh, 
I'd have to change my whole everything and learn all new recipes and my whole life is going to change and it's already hard. Why would I want to do that? Um, I mean, do you think it has to be 100% change or? No, it doesn't need to be all or nothing. And I think, you know, sometimes going or even dabbing into plant-based, people get intimidated because, like you said, they might have that pressure on themselves to completely flip their life and flip their recipes, flip their pantry. And it's any change can be a lot for a person to adjust to. But perfectionism doesn't exist. So if you're someone who tries to be plant-based for three days and then you end up having a piece of meat, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. Just keep continuing, including more plants in your diet. Have your meatless Monday. Maybe try a couple of new recipes on your meal planner that are plant-based that week and slowly introduce yourself into eating more plants. Mm. And and for me, you know, it took, and I never had the grand plan to go and become predominantly plant-based, but it did, it, it just happened over, but it happened over 10 years, right? I grew up on a farm. We killed our own meat. I hunted a lot as a kid, um, but it was a gradu- very, very gradual change over 10, 12 years before it even popped into my mind that I was moving in that direction. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd just say that, one, you don't have to be fully plant-based ever. Um, but, two, if, you know, if there is a desire to try these things out, like we were just saying, it can be little things along the way. Yeah, absolutely. How can we make sure that we are getting everything we need within a plant-based diet? Mm. So this is interesting because, you know, as a naturopath, I'm always going to look at a person as an individual and not as a collective. So depending on Um, your gender, depending on your age, what stage of life you're in, depending on how much you are exercising, um, depending if there's another, you know, chronic condition on top of that will depend on how much nutrients you need per day. So I suggest if you're thinking about going plant-based or even if you're interested in general about nutrients and making sure you're getting enough into your body, there's a website which is government-based called www.nrv.gov.au and they have a whole list of all of the macronutrients and micronutrients and you can go individually into each and every nutrient and look at, depending on your, you know, your gender, what phase you are in your life, the amount of nutrients you need per day. And then, so for example, if it was that you needed, if you're a menstruating woman woman, and you needed 18 milligrams of iron per day, then you need to look at what are the iron plant-based sources and how much you need to eat per day to hit those nutrient requirements for long-term health. Now, because that can be overwhelming and it's a lot of hard work to do to make it easier for yourself, go and see a a plant-based naturopath or nutritionist who can help create an individualized treatment plan catered for you so that on your journey, you are being educated with how to sustain your nutrients individual for you long-term. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's great to have a, um, 
a website and I'm sure there'll be, I, I mean, I'm interested to be honest, I've not even had a look at that website. So I'd be quite interested to go in and have a look and see where I sit, but it does sound like a bit of work. <laughs> you know what? It's a bit of work, but once you get into a flow of, you know, eating plant-based for years and you, you work out too individually what your body requires, everyone's got different absorption um, rates as well in terms of nutrients into the body so some people might need to supplement for example an iron if they need right okay and i guess that's something you're not going to get from a website right like you need that kind of feedback to get an understanding of you know where's your individual body at and how are you going absorbing the things that you need to um because I guess, you know, as a very crude example, we could be eating heaps and heaps of spinach every day, but but not necessarily getting the iron that we need from it. Well, yeah, potentially. It's also too, if you're not combining it with a vitamin C source or if you're having it, um, you know, alongside other things, for example, if you're having a coffee on either side of having all that spinach, that's going to inhibit the absorption of iron. Chocolate and wines also an inhibitor of iron um, because of the tannins that are in all of those substances. So they compete for the absorption of iron. But also too, depending on what your gut microbiome is doing, depending on you know how strong that intestinal lining and barrier is to to selectively intake and um you know divvy out nutrients into your body it will you know add to how well you are absorbing the nutrients from the spinach for example okay okay it's complex the body yeah yeah it is (laughs) so yeah definitely some things that we could know um some little plant-based nutrition life hacks that would be important to know yeah um so i've already spoken about Obviously, iron, if you're having any iron sources, be your leafy greens, your your trophy, your tempeh, make sure you're having it with your vitamin C source so you're absorbing it. Another one I want to talk about actually is protein because this is an important topic when it comes to plant-based nutrition. Very important topic. It's probably, I think, for those that are plant-based out there, it's probably your number one question. <laughs> where does your protein come from? <laughs> and I always get that. Where do you get your protein from? Um, yes. Well, look, you know, protein is a macronutrient, so it's very important for the body um, and it occurs in all of your, your living cells and it has both functional and structural properties. So your body needs protein, right? And when it comes to plant-based protein, despite the claims out there, we have an abundance of sources. So we have, you know, tofu, tempeh, legumes, beans, lentils, um, you know, nuts, seeds, you know, chickpeas, mung beans, also brown rice and quinoa, buckwheat, amaranth, and then you get it from a lot of your vegetables. So most vegetables will contain an amount of protein. Some of them are much more on that lower end, but the vegetables that are high in protein are broccoli, spinach, asparagus, artichokes, um, potatoes, sweet potatoes, and Brussels sprouts. Now, when we look at protein as a structure, it contains amino acids. And amino acids are the building blocks of protein. And there are 20 different amino acids. So some of these, being 11 of these, your body can actually produce by itself. 
whereas nine of these amino acids, which are your nine essential amino acids, must be derived from your nutritional intake, from your diet. So there are some plant-based sources which contain all of the nine amino acids in them, and there are some that don't. So the plant-based sources that are protein and have all the nine essential amino acids are tofu, tempeh, um, quinoa, amaranth, buckwheat, as well as hemp seeds. So if you have a dish that contains these proteins, you know that you're hitting all your nine essential amino acids. So happy days for your body. However, if you're having, you know, another plant-based protein source, for example, lentils um, or rice, brown rice, you need to make sure you're combining these proteins to make sure you're hitting all of your nine essential amino acids. So an example is say that you're wanting to make a really delicious Indian dal, which is one of my favorite dishes. You want to make sure you're having your dal on top of a bed of brown rice and you can even sprinkle some, you know, sunflower seeds um, or some, you know, hemp seeds on top just so you make sure you're getting all your, your protein. And also pop in, I also think it's good to pop in your spinach too in there because why not we need more spinach in our diet because of for calcium too for, for vegans. Okay, right. Um, so it's definitely possible uh, to get enough protein in your diet from Absolutely. a plant-based diet. But I guess it's also just having that knowledge and awareness of, you know, um, what what you are eating and the variety. And I guess that's probably one of the greatest things that I learned becoming a vegetarian was that, um, you know, and it did take a bit of time to really grow the diversity of what I was eating and including different things. Um, and that's still, you know, to this day, it's still that's still something I'm learning. You know, I used, uh, what was it? Um, fr- Frika? Frika. Yeah. I used that for the first time last week and I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> um, but again, just working on that variety of, um, different foods. And this is the thing. If it's so important, if you're deciding to be on any diet, whatever it is, but particularly a plant-based diet, that you're having as much variety as possible, because that way too, you know, you're getting exposure to all of the different micronutrients in the diet as well as macronutrients, but also to your gut microbiome thrives on diversity. So, you know, give yourself a, a little challenge and once a week, Pick a different recipe to make that you haven't tried before or decide to to purchase a vegetable that you, you don't usually include in your diet or a piece of fruit. And each and every week, just pick one new extra thing to slowly introduce into your, into your microbiome. Mm. Look, I'll give you another little thing, that I, which I've recently been doing during lockdown, um, one for the convenience, but two also to avoid going to the supermarket so often, um, is these um, uh, recipe uh, boxes, you know, like Marley Spoon or um, HelloFresh. Because um, being on... Uh, being on those at the moment, it's it's introducing three new dishes that I wouldn't 
each week that I wouldn't normally cook before. That's why I used Frica last week was because it came in the box and I, I would never have gone out looking for a recipe or bought Frica by myself to think, oh, what am I going to make with this? You know, I'm not really that creative. Um, so I guess, you know, that's maybe one thing to think about, you know, when becoming plant-based is maybe trying one of these um, delivery services uh, and because they make it quite easy. You know, the food arrives, they've got the recipe and there you go, your dish is made. That's it. Um, and there's a few different, yeah, boxes going around. I'm pretty sure Marley Spoon's becoming more vegan friendly. I think HelloFresh maybe has like one vegan meal or some of the vegetarian meals you can exclude having, you know, whatever the mayonnaise and the cheese. Um, but also too, there's a company called Solara as well. Um, and they deliver, you know, pre-made but fresh foods. And they're usually, you know, rich in protein as well. So another option. Yeah. There'll be, of course, a lot of listeners out there that want to increase their lean muscle, you know, whether that's a lot or a little. Um, but I guess that is a big part of what we do at Virgin Active, um, building lean muscle. It's a really important part of staying fit and staying healthy. Can we, you know, we've just spoken about protein, but can we still build the lean muscle that we need to if we did become fully plant-based? Yes, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, the examples of all of the plant-based athletes out there showcase that it is actually possible to build lean muscle. Um, so when we look at how we actually build muscle, you need to have protein. So as long as you are meeting your daily protein requirements, then yes, it is possible. But this is where it comes down to that, that mathematics and knowing what you actually need from your recommended daily intake of protein. So, and this will differ depending on what your, your goals are in terms of you know, having that muscle growth. But for men, the recommended daily intake for protein is 74 grams per day. But then if you want to be a little bit more specific, it's 0.84 grams of protein per kilogram. So for example, if you weighed 70 kilograms and you're a male, then you need to be making sure you're having at minimum 58.8 grams of protein per day. And then, you know, depending on what your training is like, you may need to increase those levels as well. You can definitely get it from your plant-based diet. There's, um, you know, all the proteins I've just mentioned before, you may need to have a protein powder as well, just to, to reach those goals that you need. Um, but also if you're a female listener too, the recommended daily intake for protein is 46 grams per day. Or if you're breaking it down, um, it's 0.7 grams of protein per kilogram. So for example, if you weigh 60 kilograms and you're female, then you need to be making sure you're having 45 grams of protein per day. Right. Okay. And I guess we can look at that again, maybe through that government website on how to, <laughs> how to build that. <laughs> and what about recovery from exercise? Is there anything if we need to be uh, considerate of? Well, the beauty of, you know, plant-based nutrition is that it's potent in antioxidants and, you know, antioxidants are um, really important for 
helping with the, the severity of um sorry, helping reduce the severity and duration of that post-exercise muscle fatigue. So, yeah, as long as you're eating an abundance of, you know, fruits and vegetables when you are following a plant-based diet, it's going to help with muscle recovery. And when I'm talking about plenty of plant-based foods, when it comes to vegetables, I want you to be having minimum five to six serves of vegetables per day and minimum of two serves of fruit per day. So that's coming once again from the Australian Nutrition Guidelines. Mm-hmm. And that's regardless of being plant-based or omnivore, right? Oh, yeah, it's regardless. And it's so interesting because, you know, in clinical practice, whether I've got a vegan or a non-vegan in front of me, usually the first thing to go in the treatment plan is exactly that. So five to six serves of veggies per day and two serves of fruit. Often I'll see my client's jaw drop to the ground <laughs> and I just want to push them through easy ways to, to incorporate that into their daily nutrition. And those serves, they should also be varied serves, right? Like different types of vegetables, not all potato or all spinach. Yeah. No, yeah. Variety, yeah, variety is very, very important. Um and interestingly, the, the Australian, you know, government released a statement too in terms of health that being you can absolutely follow a strictly vegan diet as long as you're getting enough of your energy and nutrient requirements and making sure you're having variety in the foods that you are consuming to make sure you're hitting those nutrients. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned energy there. What about energy? How do we, is that any different once we if you were to become predominantly plant-based, do you feel like there'd be certain things, like before a workout, for example, do you think that needs, you know, pre-workout food? Does that need to change? Um, so it really depends on what type of training you are and how long you are training for. So, you know, if you are doing an endurance form of training, which is over an hour and a half, then you definitely want to be making sure you're having a a pre-training snack that is high in, um, you know, carbohydrates. So you have that quick glycogen source to sustain you and fuel you through your training session. So you have that energy. So whether that is, you know, half a banana or a couple of dates or, um, you know, having a little bit of maple syrup on you know a corn crisp or a piece of toast whatever it is so you've got that quick glycogen source for that endurance activity um but also too it's it's so important in whatever you're doing whether it's plant-based or not that you're making sure that you're fueling your body post training so eating within that 30 minute interval um particularly if you've done a training session that's you know 45 to one hours of you know high intensity training you need to be making sure you're having your you know a proper meal or at least a large snack after your training that's actually high in carbohydrates than the protein so your ratio that you are looking at is a three to one ratio of carbohydrates to protein and the reason being is because after that that training session, you've depleted your glycogen stores. So your body is hungry for carbohydrates and it's the best time it's going to metabolize it and really utilize it for better muscle recovery as well. So, um, you know, if you're a female, you want to be with that ratio having 40 to 45 grams of carb 
to 15 grams of protein, or if you're a male, 50 grams of carb to 15 to 20 grams of protein. Now that's going to completely differ depending on, once again, the type of training and the duration of training you're doing and whether that's your your second or your third training session of the day. Um, but just to keep it easy, because I know for me anyway, when I start to hear mathematics and ratios, my brain just switches off. So if you are listening and that's just gone out of one ear, um, a really easy post-recovery, you know, exercise smoothie that you could make that has all those ratios balanced is, um, you know, a smoothie that contains, for example, 20 grams of protein powder, one cup of coconut water, one frozen banana or normal banana, depending on how nice and cold you like your smoothie to be, Um, having a cup of berries, which are potent antioxidants for recovery, a teaspoon of raw cacao and a teaspoon of maple syrup, just so you can up that carb ratio. And that's approximately that three to one carbohydrate to protein ratio so that you can have the energy you need. And if you're someone that doesn't normally eat post-training within that 30-minute interval, try out that smoothie and see how you feel because I'm guessing that you're going to feel a lot more energized throughout your day. Mm, That sounds like a great little um, post-workout treat. Um, Yeah, I mean, we should definitely put that in the show notes, um, Bianca, and so people can give that a go and see how they feel after their workout. Now, mental health. What, what do we know about, I guess, the state of our mental health and how plant-based food, not necessarily just a diet, but just increasing our vegetables, how can that have an effect? Well, you know, your fruits, your vegetables, your nuts and seeds, they contain an abundance of vitamins, but phytonutrients. So phytonutrients contain antioxidants, which help to promote a healthy brain. And when it comes to brain health, you have your nerve cells and your nerve cells communicate between each other in the brain so that they can release chemical signals through neurotransmitters, right? So that's your hormones such as serotonin, dopamine, um, norepinephrine, um, and they help to control our mood. So, you know, when it comes to, to plant-based health, um, so when it comes to mental health and utilising, I guess, plants to help optimise that, everyone's individual. So this is a challenging thing. And when it comes to mental health, it's so much more complicated than the nutrients you're getting in your diet. Yes, nutrients are so important for supporting mental health because you need certain nutrients like, you know, zinc, magnesium, vitamin D, um, omega-3 fatty acids and B12 to help sustain, help, uh, you know, healthy mental health. But what else are the other variables? So are you having a lot of stress from your work life or home life or relationships? Are you someone that's experienced, you know, past trauma? Um, Is there an underlying condition like, you know, thyroid disease or, um, you know, pyroluria? So when it comes to mental health, um, yeah, it's important that you're you're looking after it in all different facets. So making sure you're eating a well-balanced diet, 
but also getting psychological support, practicing mindfulness, meditation, yoga, all those good things, um, getting enough vitamin D from the sun, having good relationships in your life to sustain mental health. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, that's, you know, we've, we try and discuss mental health in all of our episodes. That's why we're called active, active minds. And, you know, regardless of whether we are talking about plant-based health, gut health, uh, sleep, it's all of them combine to create good health, whether it's physical or mental. Um, and, you know, that's been a consistent kind of message from all of our guests so far. Uh, and that's why we're trying to touch on all of the different subjects, really, so everyone can, you know, get the knowledge that they need from all aspects of life to help build a, um, a, a positive well-being. Um, you're, you also specialise in hormonal imbalance. Can you talk to us a bit about that? So in clinical practice, I see a lot of women with, you know, different hormonal imbalances. So usually that's due to the the hormones of either progesterone or estrogen or the androgens being out of whack. Um, And it presents in lots of different ways in clinical practice, but I work a lot alongside a lot of conditions like, you know, polycystic, um, ovarian, um, PCOS, sorry, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, as well as endometriosis, fibroids, but also working with acne and a lot of women too that have um, a loss of period from hypothalamic amenorrhea, whether they're not eating enough nutrients and they're over-exercising, so helping educate to make sure that they're able to allow their body to feel safe to to produce a period again um but i guess when we're kind of marrying it to the topic of what we're talking about today with plant-based health um the positive thing is that your plant-based nutrients your nuts and seeds your oils they contain healthy fats and your you know complex carbohydrates like your whole grains, um, you know, quinoa, buckwheat, oats, they contain, um, you know, the complex carbohydrates, which is so important for your body to feel safe so that it can produce the hormones to be able to to ovulate and produce a period. But also um, depending on, you know, if I see, for example, a presentation of estrogen dominance where a woman is presenting with painful, heavy periods. They might be experiencing um, breakouts in their skin. They might be having, um, in the lead up to their period, um, mood changes where they're feeling irritable or more emotional. They might feel tender breasts um, and they might experience headaches as well. I will often get them to eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables So these are your vegetables like your broccoli, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and they contain a substance called indole-3-carbonyl. And indole-3-carbonyl helps to support the detoxification and excretion of estrogen from your body, which helps then to reduce these symptoms that are occurring with these women. Right, okay. So there is definitely, you can have quite a focus 
towards plant-based nutrition in the way that you can help to balance hormonal imbalances. Yes, definitely. And what's your, when you talk about estrogen in particular, and I have no idea if this is uh, a fact or fallacy or wives tale. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to talk about in the regards to tofu and the soy based stuff? Can you talk to us about this? What are the risks? What are the fallacies? What are the truths? You know, tofu, soy-based, imitation meat as well is something we should probably touch on. So this is a really controversial subject, even amongst vegans. Um, So when looking at soy, there is a myth that it can be estrogenic and cause, or, you know, um, potentially lead up to certain cancers such as breast cancer. However, this depends on the type of soy you're having. So the the Cancer Council have actually released a statement saying that if you eat soy in its whole food form, so whether that's, you know, soybeans, tofu, tempeh, edamame, that's actually safe to eat in moderate amounts um, and actually it can be, you know, preventative in certain cancers. But when I'm talking about moderate amounts, I'm talking one to two serves per day, maps and um it's you know essentially you're eating it in its whole form because you know soy in its whole form whole form the soybean it contains um you know phytoestrogens um which can you know be supportive with balancing hormones however there are some proteins on the market which are a little bit concerning and this is where there is that connection to potentially having that risk of cancer and this is the soy protein isolate so soy protein isolate is taking an isolate isolated um, component out of that soybean stripping it of all of its fiber and nutrients and that's where it's not going to be beneficial to the body because you just stripped it of its nutrients so things to be concerned about is you know Look, making sure you're not having soy isolate protein. So just having a read on your ingredients. Um, Whenever you're buying a soy product on the market, read the ingredients, make sure it says 100% whole food, uh, um, you know, whole food through whole soybean. And it's non-GMO, that's important too. That's a whole nother, you know, topic in itself. Um, But if you're seeing that it's a soy protein isolate, stick away from it. And unfortunately, that's in a lot of the faux meats on the market. So, yeah, that's where the concern is around soy. But generally, if you're having one to two serves a day of whole food soy products, then it's safe. Right. Okay. Where where does soy milk sit on that uh, spectrum? Yeah. So once again, that's reading ingredients. So if on the ingredients list it says the the whole soybean, organic is better too, then it's safe. But if it's, you know, soy protein isolate, I wouldn't go near it. Okay. So not all soy products are created equal and we should do a little bit of research to see. Please, please do. And also when it comes to nut milk, nut milks in general or soy milks or whatever it is, just on a side note, 
when you're reading the ingredients, you want to have the most minimal ingredients on that that little carton. So you want to have maybe five to six ingredients at max. Still, then I'm wanting less. But if you're, like, you're looking at your bottle of you know soy milk and it's got 20 ingredients, it's not going to be conducive to your gut health because it's containing you know thickness, gums, preservatives, random codes which concern me. So do your research. Yeah, look, and I think that's a good shout out, right? Because, you know, uh, there is this idea out there that I come across quite often. It's, okay, you're a vegetarian, you're naturally just healthy, right? It's just this idea that vegetarian, you must be super healthy. And it's like, well, actually, you know, that's not the case. And I think this is a good example where we could be saying, okay, I'm just going to drink soy milk from now or oat milk or whatever it is. Um, But if we're not digging that little bit further, uh, as everyone should, regardless of being plant-based or not, um, you know, it's it's not an automatic kind of um, health, you know. No, no, that's it. Yeah. We touched a little bit on gut health. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that and the importance of a plant-based diet when it comes to gut health? A lot of your plant-based foods are really high in fibre. And fiber is really important for your gut health, Um, you know, obviously helping move your stools, which help with excretion of waste, but also to, you know, the fiber helps to to feed the gut microbiome so that it can create a really healthy environment so that your gut can thrive. And I'm sure, um, you know, the specialist that you spoke to in previous episodes, was it Dr. Rossi? Yeah. Dr. Megan Rossi, yeah. Dr. Megan Rossi, I'm sure she touched base on this, but there is a connection between your your gut and your brain, right? So it's so important that you are creating environment for your gut to thrive in. So then it's going to have a beautiful effect on on your mood, um, on your cognition, um, and allowing all of the you know the good neurotransmitters to thrive because a lot of your serotonin is actually made in your gut. But when it comes to plant-based, this is where, I, I mean, I keep bringing it up through this podcast, but it's so important. Make sure you have variety so that there's diversity for your gut microbiome to thrive. And that's in any diet that you're having. Mm. So if you're eating meat, eat lots of variety so your gut microbiome can thrive in. Yeah. And then that was that was a bit, if, for those guys that haven't listened to um, Megan's podcast as well, yeah, that was the big take home from that gut health episode was variety. You know, definitely looking at fiber and lots of different plants, but variety in general is kind of her number one take home. When in doubt, change it up. Yeah. Get creative, try something new. And I like what you said before, you know, just buy one ingredient that you've never used before and see what happens. (laughs) Buy a new seed, sprinkle a new seed on top of your cereal or your lunch or whatever and see what happens. You might like it. Any certain conditions where you might not recommend going plant-based so like i said you know australian guidelines support that you can be vegan in any any stage of your life and you can be a healthy vegan as long as you're making sure you're making sure you're having all of your nutrient needs and requirements when it comes to any patient of mine if i ever have a patient that wants to drastically change their diet, whether it's going plant-based, keto, um, or doing intermittent fasting, 
I will always check in and just understand what the intention is for that drastic change. And if I'm having any, um, you know, red flags where I'm sensing that there is a, a negative relationship to food and that there's an underlying eating disorder, that's where I will just be a little bit more mindful of and I'm more comfortable working alongside a psychologist just to make sure that that person is being supported with their mental health and then there's that slow transition where there's the building that good relationship with food and seeing it as food as medicine rather than making a huge drastic change for an intention that's not going to serve their health and their mental health long term. Mm, okay. Um, and we touched on this or you touched on it previously around do you ever miss meat? You know, it's kind of the question that um, we all get asked fairly often. And, and it, but it is a good question, right? Like I can totally understand where that comes from because um, people love me. And look, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not turned off by the taste of meat. Like I can remember what meat tastes like. And yes, like there, it does taste great. I think the reasons I became vegetarian outweigh that. So it's, you know, I don't miss it. I don't wake up craving to eat meat. Um, but for those that, you know, that is a warranted concern about missing it, do you think there's anything that we can do to fill that void? Mm -hmm. So my suggestion is if you are a meat lover and you're thinking, oh, my God, how do I even start with, you know, taking out the meat component in my dishes, then I say, you know, make easy swaps, but easy, healthy swaps. So, for example, if you love, you know, making a mince-based dish, which is using, you know, a, a, a beef mince or a chicken mince, for example, then play around with, with replacing it with, for example, um, you know, uh, blended tempeh or blended walnuts, even though I'm sure there's listeners out there that are going, ew, tempeh, ew, walnuts. Once it's actually <laughs> flavoured properly with the same flavours that you would utilise with, you know, your meat recipes, it's actually very similar in texture and it's high in protein still, so that's a good swap. Um, don't hate it till you try it. <laughs> if you hate it, that's okay, but, you know, <laughs> we're still having that challenge of trying new things. Um if, for example, you love your burgers, then try a portobello grilled mushroom and it's got a very similar texture, I feel, to meat. It's quite dense and it's delicious. Um, and you can give yourself a challenge. I know we're in lockdown at the moment, but if there's any listeners that aren't in lockdown, you lucky things. If you go to the pub or, you know, a restaurant and they have that option to have a, a mushroom burger, give it a go. See how you like it. Um, also, too, if you love pulled pork in your tacos, try having jackfruit as an alternative because it's so good and it's very similar um, texture. And, yeah, so that would be the main thing. So my, I guess my um, advice is if you love your meat, whatever dish that you love, have a quick search on the internet, look at a, a vegan alternative and give it a go. Cool. What's one big thing that you wish everybody knew when it comes to plant-based health? I wish everyone knew that just because you decide to be plant-based doesn't mean you're not healthy or you're not able to get the nutrients that you need to sustain 
your health. Um, and I wish people could read the studies and research that I read on reducing the risk for chronic disease um, because I think, you know, it's important for the stigma to be re removed around plant-based health for some people seeing it as unhealthy and not sustainable um, because it absolutely can be sustainable and healthy as long as you're, you're doing it correctly and nourishing your body correctly. Um, and the other thing I, and I think I touched base on this earlier, but I wish people would not put the expectation on themselves that if they were to to dive into plant-based health that they would have to go in all or nothing um and they could give themselves some space to to maybe you know flexible and move more like a, a flexitarian in that sense and not put the pressure on themselves of being perfect because more importantly in this life than anything we need to be kind to ourselves and practice compassion to ourselves um, because mental health is just as important as physical health. Mm. I really like that. And I think that's a nice takeaway. And I hope that that has come across in this episode um, that, you know, I think the, we like to put people and also we like to put ourselves in certain boxes, you know, and there's rules to that box and therefore you've got to live up to those rules. And, um, but I, yeah, I think you're right. It's, I think flexitarian is a much, better mindset, especially for those that, you know, just want to explore this area a little bit more and not necessarily feel like you've got to commit to anything. And I think that message of that's, that can be forever, right? That flexitarian idea, I guess we're just creating another box, but I guess <laughs> it's, a, it's a much broader, open, more relaxed box to be in. And maybe that's where you want, that's where you are happy being forever. And that's awesome. Look, go for it, you know. Um, I think that is a, an important takeaway from this chat. Um, you know, be open and don't feel like you have to be 100% in one what sometimes might feel like a small box. Open the box, unlock the key. Yes, 100%. Okay, so if someone's listening to this and thinking, okay, yeah, um, I would like to explore or start exploring this a little more than where than where I am at now. Where would you? What would your advice be for the first step? Where Where would you send them? Where What What could they do? My advice for the first step is to go onto Google, pick your favorite recipe that you normally love to make, and look for the the vegan alternative, and start with just one dish. And then maybe next time you go to a restaurant or have takeaway, opt for the vegan dish or the plant-based dish um, and just take it in small increments. But if you are someone that does have that, you know, th that mental mindset of wanting to plunge yourself into it, that's where I say please see a professional that is um you know specialized in that area like a naturopath or a nutritionist so that you can get guidance and education around that area that's individual for you and your specific needs so that you can sustain sustain it long term beautiful and three things that we could do today to improve or move towards optimal health so one thing is before eating your food Sit down and take 10 deep breaths. And this is going to help activate your vagus nerve, which is going to communicate from your brain to your gut that it's time to, 
to start the digestive processes and that way you're you're enhancing the absorption of your food um, as well as practicing mindfulness and slowing down your nervous system at the same time because I think you might be rushed through things too much. Um, number two, you've already heard this one, but choose one new food per week to introduce into your diet to build up the variety um, in your gut microbiome so that your gut health can thrive, happy days. And number three, aim to have five to six serves of vegetables per day and two serves of fruit per day. When I say aim, I'm saying aiming. You don't have to achieve that because you can work up to that goal to help reduce your risk of chronic disease because that's so important and that's paramount to your health. Fantastic. So mindfulness, variety, and aim for the um, five serves of veggies and two serves of fruit. Those are the three take-homes. Eat more plants. Eat more plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Overall, eat more plants and be mindful of it. Really take that take that experience in. Um, I love the mindfulness piece as well, actually, and I'm glad you've put that in as number one. I mean, that was also um, I did I did training with Precision Nutrition to be a nutrition coach, um, and that is a huge part of their. Um, um, well, it's a huge thing to focus on with every, with anyone, regardless of what you're eating, is to be very mindful of what of your food, that connection with food, um, and slow down, right? Just slow down, take your time. Um, there's many, uh, I guess, mental benefits to that, but it also allows that time to be, to, for your body to be in that digestive state and also to give the signals to your brain of, okay, I think we've had enough. <laughs> yeah. To close, uh, one question we love to ask all of our guests, um, what do you want more than anything else in this life? Oh, my God, what a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) There's so many things, um, but I guess at the end of my life, and hopefully I'll be very old by the time I reach the end of my life, I want to know that in life I have strived to be kind always and that I have influenced change in order to have a positive impact on the lives of others. That's really what I I want in life. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, you are definitely doing that. I can see that. Um, You've chosen the right place to um, practice and practice your passion. So a huge thank you. Um, for joining us on this episode. Uh, Where can people find you if they need to get in touch or learn more? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if people are interested in connecting with me and finding a little bit more about me, um, I practice at Bondi Health and Wellness. And my website is www.biancashidi.com. Beautiful. Well, guys, um, we'll make sure that all of uh, that info is in the show notes. We'll try and get that smoothie recipe in there as well. And I think it might be nice to put those three take-homes on how to improve health. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Bianca, 
Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And I'm sure maybe we can have a chat again in the future. It'd be great to have you back on the show. Yes, I would love that. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thanks, Bianca. Bye. Thanks so much for pressing play today. Quite a few takeaways from this episode. I challenge you this week to add one new food to your weekly shop. It might be to add chia seeds to your porridge or cooking quinoa instead of rice. And let me know how you go. If you're loving this podcast, then please hit subscribe and tell all your friends and family about us. And hit me up if you have any feedback or any topics you'd like us to discuss in upcoming episodes. You can find me on Instagram and I would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, bye for now.